Well, good evening, LCM. We are embarking on an extraordinary event this evening. Oh, I mean, an unforgettable event this evening. Yeah. I mean, unless you're a certain sleepy elector of the free, elected official of the free world, tonight will be something that will train you for war and make you bold, stout-hearted, and free. We are on the precipice of the greatest expansion that this community has yeah! ever seen. And it has been 23 years in the making, but our fathers have finally let us off the chain. It's going down for real. And we intend to take full advantage of it. The truth is, tonight we are all being let off the chain. Oh, I know that's right. And we want to we wanna tell you a story this evening. An ancient one, but also a fresh one. So, come gather around, pull up your chairs, or stand up in the back so you don't fall asleep. Drink some caffeine, and come with us as we are about to tell you about a man we all can relate to. Tonight is January 25th, and the title of tonight's sermon is Valley to Valley. Come on, somebody say Valley to Valley. I want to start off by saying that we were thoroughly blessed by Sunday's word, offensive faith. Were you guys blessed? The Lord is bringing us into new lands. He is causing all of us to rise up and to conquer the things that once held us back. Man, we were encouraged by that timely word. In that word, we learned that we are the ones who make the ambush. We are not the ones that have to put up a defense. We are the ones on the offensive. We learned that what is inside of us is greater than the gates of hell. Because the sovereign Lord helps us, we will not be put to shame, not now and not ever. And we also learned that we must have a white-knuckled determination to advance the kingdom of God. On that note, let's turn to Exodus 17. Exodus 17, we're going to start in verse 8. Say valley to valley when you get there. Valley to valley. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Choose, the Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Church, something we want to point out in this passage is this is the first time that Joshua has ever appeared in the word of God. And when the time came for a fight, Moses called Joshua up. wonder what he was doing before. Because Moses knew who Joshua was. Moses knew who Joshua was called to be before Joshua knew who Joshua was called to be. I know I've had Moses-like figures in my life call out what I was long before I recognized it. How about you, church? Can you think back to times where your Moses-like figures called you up and called you out? It was not just that Moses knew who Joshua was, but Moses gave Joshua the opportunity to fight, Come on. to struggle, and to overcome. Moses provided prophetic direction and held the standard high while Joshua was learning how to fight so that he would have a reference on what the victory of the Lord should look like. Amen. Let's pick up in verse 10. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took 
a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army oh, with on. the sword. See, Moses was the one holding up the standard for Joshua so that he could win. He could look to the standard, and when the fight wasn't going so well, he can look up and see Moses' hands up, and he began to win again. Joshua was the man leading the fight, but the fight was for all of Israel. It's not just Joshua's life on the line. This is why getting tired was not an acceptable excuse for Moses to lower his hands. Joshua's first example of holding up the standard was Moses. And aren't we all thankful for the Moseses in our lives? For sure. That showed us what the standard looked like the first time? Yeah. Doesn't that breed a special kind of in intimacy? A special kind of love for your teacher? For sure. Maybe like the rabbis say that the bond between a teacher and his student is greater than that of a father and son. We've all heard this passage many times. And I'm sure all of you guys are thinking about scripture strings because it's a 70-sided jewel. But tonight, we're going to take this jewel and we're just going to twist it a little bit. We're going to twist it a little bit. Let me ask you a question. What if Moses was not the point of Exodus 17? What? What if victory for Israel wasn't even the point? Come on. The Lord was already going to give Israel a victory. It's true. Because the Lord was leading them into the land that he swore to give them. Church, much like us, the Lord is leading us into victory time and time again. But what if the point of everything in this passage was so that Joshua could gain experience in war and could attribute all victory that day to the way the Lord blessed Moses' obedience? See, when we have the confidence that the Lord is going to deliver us no matter what happens because we hold up the standard and we follow the Moses-like figures in our lives, when we have that confidence, it sets a trend in our lives. And we're going to see that as we go along. It's funny, as we were thinking about these passages and thinking about Joshua's life, we were reminded of some men in our own lives. When I think about a man who took me in, who taught me how to fight and gave me the ability, to gave me the, the opportunity to fight. I think of a man like Peyton Parsons. It's true. Peyton took me in and he taught me about worship, taught me how to actually worship the Lord in a way that is pleasing to him, taught me how to be a man, how to be a man of good character. And he didn't make it easy. He didn't give me all the answers. He held up the standard and he let me fight. He let me struggle with things. And he saw me overcome. In our lives, we cannot be fearful. We cannot be intimidated by new responsibilities that we receive. We cannot be faithless in the way that the Lord is going to deliver us. You mean if it was hard for Moses, it would be hard for Joshua too? Exactly. Church, in your new responsibilities, don't be afraid of the fight and don't doubt your ability to grow. The Lord is moving through your Moses-like figures to teach you how to fight and how to win. Come on. He is doing that over and over again. And church, we want that to be ringing in your ears by the time you get out of here. Is the Lord is with you. 
He is with you in your battles, and he's going to help you overcome in every single way. Church, we're going to Exodus 24. We're going to start in verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commands I have written for their instruction. All pretty familiar with this passage, right? Oh, yeah. There's a, I think, more important note here, if that could possibly be said, than Moses being up on the mountain, is verse 13. Then Moses set out with Joshua his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you. If anyone is involved in a dispute, they can go to them. We have Joshua and Moses standing on top of the mountain. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So the Lord tells Moses, come up here. Moses then sets out to do what the Lord told him to do. But he brought along his young aide, Joshua, with him on the mountain. Joshua was allowed to join Moses on the mountain. And I have a question that will be answered. What did he learn up there? What did he see? Well, he certainly saw the glory cloud. He certainly saw the tablets being carved out. But what was most shocking to us is he also participated in the 40 days and 40 nights of no food or water. The elders were eating down below. Joshua was allowed to come close and experience that the God of Moses was able to supernaturally sustain his life. That all that was important in life was standing in that glory cloud. And then even food and water did not matter. I can remember standing next to Baron, as I like to call him. Judah. Judah for the rest of you. (laughs) Pastor Judah. When we were... uh, Trying to flip a house. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. Finally. Uh, five years later, we flipped it. And, uh, you know, got to experience the Lord sustaining us through that process. And I'm talking 120-hour work weeks, back to back to back to back. And Judah, Judah had the wonderful delight of discipling me and other people while he was doing that. And yet... Through all of that, my Moses never wavered. He never faltered, and he got the job done, whether long time or short. Can you remember standing next to a Moses in your life and getting to participate in the supernatural sustaining power of our God because you got to participate in the mission that they were on? Oh, yeah. Let's turn to Exodus 33. We're going to start in verse 11, valley to valley when you get there. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But Joshua, his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, his young aide, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, 
I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Come on. In this passage, we see that Moses was crying out to the Lord because he didn't know what to do. Saying, Lord, help me. You've been telling me. You've been giving me this new responsibility of leading the people. And there's a lot of stuff going on right now that I don't want to be happening. It's hard. <laughs> we just got off of a golden calf incident. Right. He is wandering through a desert. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. And he's asking the Lord, Lord, how am I supposed to do the things that you've called me to do? And the Lord answers him in this passage. The Lord shows Moses that it is through his presence and it's through Moses' intimacy with the Lord that he's able to lead the people. Amen. Now let's shift the perspective for a second. Who is sitting right there the entire time? Picture that. In the tent of meeting, Moses is asking the Lord, Lord, teach me how to lead the people. And Joshua, who was called to lead the people, was sitting right there learning how Moses does it. He was sitting right there and had everything that he needed to learn how to hear from the Lord like Moses did. And he didn't leave the tent because he realized the importance of intimacy with the Lord. He realized the importance of yadaing or knowing through experience the Lord every single day and everything that he does. Church, if you ever feel like you don't know how to accomplish something. The answer is 100% to Yadah the Lord. To know the Lord in your circumstance. To know him in your situation. To ask the Lord for his presence to go with you. Does anybody else like to plan a lot? No. I, I like things planned out because it makes me feel secure. But that is the worst plan to actually follow the Lord and take new lands. Because the Lord is always causing us to push past the boundaries of what we can do. He's always causing us to grow past the things that we need help in. Church, I, I was considering another man that I think exemplifies this very, very well. Of seeking the Lord and having God's mind. In every, every circumstance and every chance that I get when I talk to him, I'm thinking about the countless times I've had at the shop with Nick Aragina. Nicola! The time in the word that he spends and the time in prayer that he spends. It's true. It reminds me of this. I know many times I've, uh, I've had a plan because I wanted to plan it out. And Nick was like, did you pray about it? I'm like, no. It was such a good plan, though. Yeah, and he taught me that to have uh, an action plan, it has to be breathed on by the Lord. If you're going to do something, do it with all of heaven behind you. He taught me how to do this in my marriage, how to fight for my family, how to pastor my wife, how to hear from the Lord on their behalf. He taught me how to do it with work, how to be keenly aware of my Nabals every day and put them to death and rise up and walk in the spirit. 
He taught me how to do it in my team, specifically with uh, Proverbs 18, hearing from the Lord because the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. He taught me how to hear from the Lord in these kind of ways because it is, is the solution for everything that we need to do. It is the solution for every area that we need to advance in. Church, let's check out Deuteronomy 3, verse 28. Valley to valley. Right? <laughs> Exhibit A. Uh, verse 28. But commission Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he will lead these people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you now see. Church, so we've walked through the life of Joshua a little bit. We've talked through his first time in the valley where he's just learning how to fight. We talked in his time on the mountain where the Lord supernaturally sustained him when he did not have the strength. And we walked through the times where he learned the key to advancing the kingdom of God in a way that a bold, fiery man of God should, and that's to have the Lord's presence go with you. We, like Joshua, can all relate to these moments. Church, we know you. We know that you can relate to these moments. I'm inspired by your faith. I love the fact that we can go to fellowship anywhere, anytime, and the Lord's will is being accomplished. The Lord is breathing on the room and he's causing revelation to occur. Lord, the Lord is obviously blessing this body and he has provided for us. So church, given all of these things, was Joshua equipped? Was Joshua equipped? Church, are you equipped? Come on. We, like Joshua, have had a special, had, have had special God-breathed moments with our Moses-like figures. And we have been blessed to no end by those moments. Have y'all picked up on a church? You guys are Joshua. Yeah. You've been standing with your Moses, receiving everything that you need to take authority and to settle into new positions and new lands. Let's well, let's read Joshua 1, 1 through 3. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Could he say that enough? Golly. Now then, you and all these people. Me? Get ready to cross the Jordan into the, the land I am about to give to them. The Israelites. Let's put ourselves in Joshua's shoes here for a second. Let's take our interpretation of the first time. What feelings would you have considered justified to let dwell in your heart? Despair, fear of failure, maybe even simpler grief that this just hurts too much to continue. Maybe the fear of loss that if I do this, what is this going to cost me like it cost Moses? I've just lost my teacher. I'm not sure that I have inside what it takes. Which leads into inadequacy. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't feel like the man that I should. And so maybe I'm just not good enough to do this like Moses. 
Or perhaps it's just the heavy burden of living up to the task. Maybe I can, but I really don't want to. Can you wrestle with some of these feelings that Joshua could be considering justified here? I know in my head I've been prepared. I know in my head he's been teaching me. I know in my head, but I just don't feel like I can. Maybe it wasn't feelings. Church, put yourself in Joshua's shoes here, as I'm sure many of you have. What thoughts would you consider to be justified to let exist in your head in this moment? Seeing the Red Sea split, seeing the Lord provide manna from heaven, seeing water come out of a rock. Could Joshua be thinking, man, I don't know if I can recreate the same things that I have seen before me. Man, I admire Moses, but I, I just don't know if I can do that. Maybe a thought would be, I'm going to try, but it, I'm just going to disappoint Moses, and I'm going to let the Lord down. There's just something that I'm not going to be able to see that's going to hinder me from taking the promised land. Maybe the thought of, I should have learned more while I was with Moses. <laughs> Instead of trusting that the Lord blessed the time that you did have together. Well, we're not going to just put this on Joshua. We'll start with us. We can't. I am what is known as a feeler. I don't particularly what? like the term, but it is true. So I will let you in on some of the wicked feelings that I have let dwell in my heart as justified. Walking into the kibbutz and seeing everything that's happening on a Thursday night. And I know we've been holding meetings in our house. I know I lived with them, and they taught me how to do this. But have this overwhelming feeling that the atmosphere of our house just won't be the same. We can live in the shell of the kibbutz, but we're not going to be able to do what they... I, I know that we can't... I don't feel like we can. Some wicked thoughts that I have let inside of my own head. That I can't lead the way that these men do. I can't recreate what I've seen. They have way more experience leading the people in worship and in preaching and in pouring out to brothers. And they just seem to always have the right words. It's true. These are thoughts and feelings that we wrestle with. Church, have you identified something in your life? that you've let inside of your own head yeah. or in your heart that you've let inside of your own heart. Re remember, like we said before, Joshua was the most equipped. Nobody argued with us when we said that Joshua was very equipped and that you're equipped, but it's the things that we let inside of our own head when, when new territory needs to be taken, when our Moses like figures are no longer going to be here. When we, are put on the front lines. These are the things that naturally, nabalistically want to pop up. Church, the truth is, is we're expanding into new and uncomfortable territory. However, we can't move on until we identify those nasty, wicked, demonic, devilish things that we need to damn straight to hell in our head and in our hearts.
Then, then, when those flies that feel totally justified, those oppressive emotions and thoughts are struck down, we move forward. Come Come on, church. It is our time to move forward. Somebody say, not in my house. Not in my house. Church, Jeremiah 17 says that our heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. Yeah. Yeah. In our expansion efforts, we have to yada, know the Lord by experience. We have to know that the Lord is with us and that he is with us regardless of our totally justified feelings and thoughts. Totally justified. Totally justified. As in, not at all. Not really justified at all, and there is something wrong with us if we let it inside of our head and inside of our heart. Yeah. Stop listening to these things, church. We have places to go, and we've got things to do. There has, there's work that has to be done. And the key thing here with the hammer and anvil tactic, the reason why that is so effective is because it keeps you from moving forward. The goal is to move forward. The goal is to take new land. And if you sit there and think about why did I have these thoughts, you know why you had those thoughts. You have a wicked heart. But the Lord is able to change everything in a moment. Let's look at the Lord's response to Joshua. And let's apply it directly to us tonight, church. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Just a few verses down, starting in verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Not one person. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Come on. Church, Joshua knew the outcome of the way of his life. Because he just saw the outcome of the way of life of Moses. Come on. And he knows that Moses succeeded because Joshua is standing there. He is the success of Moses' life. He will complete what he promised his teacher. Moses was successful because he produced Joshua. And as he was with Moses, he will be with him. Come on. Joshua, the point of all that time with your Moses was not that you would get close to your Moses, but that you would have the same relationship with their God that they did. Come on. It's time to rise up no matter how you feel about it. Come on. It's time to recognize and act in the fact that he is with you regardless of those other feelings. Let's look at verse six. Come on. Just as the Lord was with Moses, So he was with Joshua. Church, this is the pattern of the word of God. As the father was blessed, so will the son be blessed. Church, what you see in your leaders, it is a biblical mandate and principle and promise from the Lord that just as he was with them, he will be with you. And this has brought me so much freedom this week. It's a promise from the Lord. Let's look at what... The Lord now turns to in Joshua's heart. He addressed Joshua's heart when he said that just as Moses, he was with Moses, so he would be with him. Now we're going to go on the offensive here. In verse 6, it says, be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. 
Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you, and do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Church, what moved me this week in studying this passage out is these are the exact same words that Moses spoke to Joshua in Deuteronomy 31, verses 7 and 8. We're not going to go there, but you can read that in your own time. The Lord was reminding Joshua here that he has everything he needs, that he's been taught in the valley, that he's been provided for on the mountain, and that he, his presence is with Joshua. The Lord spoke to this to him as a reminder of everything he was already equipped with. Church, tonight, I want you to know with all of your heart that you have already been equipped. We do not have to wait to be equipped. We are equipped and being equipped as we go. Say it with me. I am equipped. I am equipped. We take new lands by remembering what our Moses-like figures have already given us. We lack no thing. As we mentioned earlier, Joshua was already qualified and equipped. Church, you are justified. You are qualified. You are equipped. You've been taught and have been equipped with the same substance as those who have come before us. You do know the Lord, and you do know what you should do. Church, we have been talking about two solutions to one part of the problem. You and your internal struggle. But as we have learned, there is a two-pronged solution. Come on. So we've been walking down, remember the Lord and remember your Moses. That helps us solve this part of the equation. But what about the external prong of this attack? What about the external prong of this hammer and anvil? What has been said to you in many ways and in different fashions, but know your God solves the internal and then make bold moves is the external prong of our attack. Come on, somebody say, make bold moves. Make bold moves. Your internal problems are solved by having a yada knowledge of your God and your teacher. But the point of knowing your God is that you would do something with it. Come on. So what do we do? Make bold moves. In light of making bold moves, let's read Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him. With a drawn sword in his hand, Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? I don't know why I relate to this verse so much. I know why. But he saw somebody, was rather intimidated by the stature of this guy, didn't think he could do it with his hands. But he assumed that with the Lord and, the sword, and a sword in his hands, he could take anyone. Come on. And so he finds himself challenging the captain of the Lord's hosts. How ridiculously confident was he that his God was with him? And how bold of a move is it to be willing to take on the heavens themselves if it be necessary? Let's look at Joshua 6, verses 1 through 5. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then jo the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Because it is tightly shut up, they have fortified it, taken in all of the grain, food, and water they will need for a long siege. This is your sign that I have given this to you. 
And what are we going to do it with? We're going to do it with catapults. We're going to light the city on fire. No. Go get the marching band. Pastor Wade, you are the sign of attack for Jericho. March around the city with all the armed men. Do this for six days. And on the seventh day, and I'm not going to read the rest of it. Y'all know, 13 times they walk around the city. That doesn't even make sense to me. It's not seven. It's not 12. They get a total of 13. But Joshua's, whether I have a sword in my hand or a, a sousaphone or Trump, whatever those are, I can take them. <laughs> it didn't matter whether Joshua had a sword in his hand or an instrument. He was still certain that he could take anything in front of him. Come on. So he made the boldest moves he possibly could. This reminds me of, uh, of someone else that, uh, you know, his name is actually very, very similar in the Hebrew. Let's take a look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Come on, somebody say, make bold moves when you get there. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. As surely as surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Joshua had to take on a few nations. He had to take on a few giants, and he was certain that he could do it. Jesus, his namesake, his successor in every way, said, I want them all. I want all of the nations, and you are going to be my men to do it. What kind of a bold move is it to say that these 12 Jewish men, you're going to take the earth, but this is our God, and he empowers us when we make bold moves. I got to tell you, church, I've grown up participating in bold moves. I've grown up seeing other men make bold moves. The past week for me has been the first time in my little baby steps of life where I'm actually stepping out and feel like I might be in a tough position, not because I did something wrong, <laughs> but I actually yeah! am feeling the empowerment of God. What it means to make a bold move and it be right. Yeah! Come on. Church, it's time for us to make bold moves. Yeah! Come on, say, make bold moves. All authority has been given to you. Church, all authority was given to him, and now all authority is being given to you to go in advance. You never have to worry about whether you have the right words to say, because the Spirit will remind you of the things to say. You never have to worry about the ways that he is leading you. If you are intimate with the Lord, he will lead you everywhere you're supposed to go. So make bold moves. It's our time to advance. And it's our time to not just be like Moses but to be a better Moses. Come on, somebody say better Moses. Joshua 8, starting in verse 10. It says, Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his men. Muster. And he and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. There, the entire force that was with him marched up and approached the city and arrived in front of it. They set up camp in north of Ai with the valley between them and the city. Oh, yeah. 
So church, in Exodus 17, we talked about the first time the Lord, uh, Joshua was in the valley. The first time, he had Moses as his covering. The first time, he was learning how to fight. While he watched Moses hold up the standard. Now, I want to ask you a question. Was Joshua in the desert in this passage? No. no. Where was Joshua? In the valley. He got to do exactly what Moses did for him in New Lands. The Lord took Joshua on a journey, and he grew him as a man from valley to valley, where he went from learning about the ways of God to leading the things of God and helping other men to accomplish the same thing. He was in the place of Moses in this passage, and there were other mighty men standing in the valley getting ready to fight. The first, in the first valley, Joshua was a boy. In the second valley, Joshua was leading the men of Israel into the promised land. And he was very old. And he was very old. <laughs> Church, this is what the Lord is doing for us tonight. He not only has caused us to learn about the things that we need to know, but he is causing us, all of us, in a lot of different ways, to rise up and to be a better Moses, which is the point. It is the goal, and only together can our promises be made perfect. Can we get that verse up on the screen, Joshua 8:18? 8, yeah. Joshua 8:18. 8, then the Lord said to Joshua, "Hold out towards Ai the javelin that is in your hand, for into your hand I will deliver the city." So Joshua held out his javelin towards Ai. The Lord was doing this inside of Joshua. Church, Joshua was the fulfillment of Moses' mission. You know, the only thing better than a staff is a javelin. One could be used as a weapon. One was a very effective weapon. One was definitely a weapon. And what we don't want to miss in here is that Joshua is standing in the place of Moses, the one holding up the standard. The biggest difference here is that Joshua is doing it better than Moses did. Come on. He's got a javelin, not a staff. He's standing and is holding until the city is destroyed in the promised land. One was fighting for survival. This is taking new ground. Joshua is standing in the calling and position of Moses, but he's doing a better job at it. Come on. Church, as we're getting near a close, let's go to John 14, starting in verse 12. Generally close. John 14, verse 12. says, I tell you the truth. The truth. The truth. Verily, verily, the absolute truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Church, we can tell you have faith in the Lord because the fruit of your life is evident. Yes. And it says he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Why would they be doing greater things than these? Why does John 14 say it? Because Jesus was going away to the Father so that the disciples could step up and take new lands. Because I'm going to the Father, you will have exactly what you need. 
and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Church, the Lord is with you tonight. He is with you in this season. He is with you in your new endeavors. You are walking in his name. So what the Lord is saying tonight is ask of him what you need. If you have been dominated by thoughts that should not be there, if you have been dominated by feelings, if you have been thinking about the hammer and anvil tactics instead of conquering them, church, tonight is the night where you can be set free because you will ask the Lord and he will do it. Church, our two-pronged solution tonight is to know the Lord and to know that he is with you. And to make bold, outrageously faithful moves of confidence because you now know what to do. In the face of a bold enemy, in the face of bold demonic tactics, we would like to counterpunch with bold repentance in moving forward. I knew that when we were talking about participating with a Moses-like figure in your life, there would be some of you that would want to answer yes to those questions, but could not. Because you have not been a Joshua that's gotten close enough to a Moses to know what it's like. You've been around this. You've seen other people do it. You're happy to be associated with it, but you're not willing to get up under the beard of Nick, hug him and have him pray for you. You're not willing to get your arms into the engine with him. You're not willing to be Joshua. If you recognize that you have been lacking in your relationship with a Moses-like figure, a discipler in your life, we want you to stand up and boldly proclaim that that's what you desire and that you are going to make moves forward to it. And the Lord will be with you. The second is that you are Moses. You have experienced great things from the Lord. You've been with him on the mountain and in the golden calf experience. But you have this internal terror that you will not be able to recreate that in someone else. You shy away from taking a Moses-like role in somebody's life Because you're scared you can't do what the Moses did for you in your life. If you recognize in here that you need to stand up in the calling and role and be a Moses in other men's lives, we would like you to stand up and declare that that is what you are going to move forward in as well. Now, church, the truth is we're all called to be both but we need to recognize what it is that we are lacking and we need to move forward in it. We are called to be both. If you don't have a Joshua in your life, something is lacking. If you do not have a Moses in your life, something is lacking. But if we make this correction together, there will be a new generation, a perpetual generation of men who know what it's like to stand in the presence of God and how to teach other men to do it. Church, the Lord is going to bless your bold moves of faith tonight. Let's let an expectation rise that the Lord is going to answer everything that you need. We'd like to do something special. And we didn't tell these men that we were going to do this, but it's because they're a perfect example of what we've been talking about. 
Adam Cora, Justin Linton, Spencer McLean, and Abimbola Daramola. Would you guys come up here to the front? That it does. Church, these men have been both Joshua and Moses. The Lord is enabling them to take new lands in everything that they're endeavoring. So if you need something, and especially for those of you standing up tonight, don't, don't let this opportunity go by. Don't sit in your seat. If you stood up, make good on that bold move and get prayed for by one of these men. Amen. Let them prophesy over you. Let them pour their life out on you. If we could get the worship team up here as well. Church, How would you act, you church, need. if you knew you could not lose? What bold moves would you take? Well, I see men taking them now. What faith-filled moments with the Lord would you seek after and with your Moses in your life? Ask the Lord to show you what it is that you need, and he will give it to you. We're going to worship, we're going to pray, but we don't need music to hear from God and for him to change our lives. So mighty God, Lord, as we get into a time where we are interacting with your holiness, Lord, as we get into a time where we get the chance to yadah you all over again, Lord, to know you, Father, and to know what we should do, Lord, we are asking that you would bless these bold moves. Lord, you would bless these bold moves of obedience. Lord, you would pour out your revelation. Father, that you would speak and open up their ears. God, that you would inspire them to be better Moses. Father, we worship you. Lord, this evening, we want everything that you've got for us. Lord, we don't want to let anything be left on the table because we want to take everything that you've called us to take, mighty God. Lord, we repent and we get rid of fear and feelings and thoughts that should not exist. Lord, would you transform us? Would you change us? Mighty God, would you do a new thing inside of us that we could have your way in everything that we do, mighty God?